Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy's Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On today's show, we're going to be announcing our uh, proactive risk control team of the week for week three of the championship. Uh, we'll also be running over last week's predictions. But uh, first topic, I suppose, we have to talk about, joined by Paul Fitzpatrick, sports editor of the anglo Celt, is the breaking news that all sporting fixtures, all sporting events are now to take place behind closed doors. This is huge news, Paul. I'm staggered, Damien, to be honest. I think it's I think it's just terrible. Absolutely terrible. I just cannot believe it. You know my, my thoughts on this whole thing as it has transpired over the last weeks and months. Um, and I think there was a level of fear that was uh, totally disproportionate to the level of threat that was out there. I think I think our leaders have failed us completely on this. I think it's totally over the top. Um, there's a risk involved in, in whatever you go and do. And this disease, really, from what we know about it, uh, is potentially deadly to a small, very small, not very small, but a small section of society, which is people with underlying uh, morbidities and and older people it's deadly for those people and those people need to remain vigilant need to not cocoon but not far off it until the until that level of threat to them drops the, the ordinary person is not under any threat from this disease or very very minimal threat deaths haven't risen we were told that that the measures that were introduced were to flatten the curve Um, what curve that was i don't know it was a catchy soundbite um, I think the idea of it was that hospitals wouldn't be overwhelmed and at, at this moment in time hospitals aren't overwhelmed and yet mm. we we had outbreaks in meat processing plants which are uh, seem to be a law to themselves these places and the government seems for some reason uh, they're very reluctant to tackle these places and uh, we saw them in direct provision centres as well where people are Muslim, mostly immigrants with, with now we're out two hippies to rub together and they're being crammed in here in these places to live and, and some others are being crammed into places to work and people were going to taking COVID tests and going back to work and that's what led to the to these spikes. There's no doubt about that it's what's led, led to the spikes. Community transmission is still very low. And we saw a video last week from a bar in Dublin where some barman was pouring drink out of the throats of people and it looked very bad but that's just one clip. And I was in well, I was in a few bars. I walked into a bar in Virginia last Friday night at quarter to ten. Few people at tables, all socially distanced from each other. And uh, I said a chance my arm and asked could I order some food so I could have a drink after a football match. Safe in the corner with another member of the household, and the answer was no because the kitchen had closed. So though th- th- there was a place acting very responsibly, there's so many places like that acting responsibly. But but the, the scaremongering is going on. There is absolutely there, no evidence, one, Damien, not to cut you off, sorry, that, that letting 200 people into a match is causing anything. There's absolutely, I haven't seen one report but, about that. The, the one thing I will pull you up on is community transmission is way up. It's 31% of the current cases is through community transmission. So that's that's way, way up from what it was because it was close contact was, was the biggest transmitter before this. I'm just looking at the COVID tracker app. Um, now the one thing I will say is the deaths are still seventeen seventy four. You know, I, they've they've risen extremely minimal. I I I think the last time I looked at it, it might have been seventeen sixty something or fifty something. But you know, and that could be a few weeks ago. So it is very very low. The number of hospitalizations are three thousand three hundred and eighty seven. Four hundred and forty two of that are requiring ICU, um, which is well below the capacity of the ICU 
beds in the country, I believe. So um, no, not, there's not 442 people in in ICU at the minute. Uh, with COVID, no, there's no. no. There's, in total, there has been. There has been, yeah, yeah. and that's over. That's over to go to six months. And if the, the the fact of the matter is, this this virus was in France in in December. So we need to ask questions here. Was it in Ireland? If it was in France, it was in Ireland because there's there's so many people travel freely throughout Europe every day of the week. This thing, uh, the amount of people I spoke to, and I dismissed them as cranks, people who says, I had that before Christmas. And I said, yeah, sure you did. Uh-huh. Uh, but it turns out people had it, and the virus is going to spread. There was no lockdown. It spread. We are now, we were being told that this is a virus that half the people who get it don't even have a symptom. And we, we can't let 200 people into a 20,000-seater stadium. Who would have tried to cut here? And people are saying, oh, yeah, but you're getting into areas where it'd be impossible to police it, grey areas, all that. That's why the government are on the big bucks. That's their exactly. job. Police the thing. I have to say, I, I, I was very surprised to see it, it, it going backwards. But we've become a total nanny state. And at the end of the day, the government, in my opinion, I know this is a football podcast, so I'll finish <laughs> yeah. up after this, but the government, in my opinion, are, are hiding behind uh, the National Public Health Emergency Team uh, there were, Leo Faradkar, as far back as as March, kind of said, well, we're, well, we're implementing what, what NFED are, are advising. Like At that point, that should have been on the front page of every paper, that Taoiseach is saying, we're doing what we're told, basically. He didn't say, like, yeah, they're, they're basically giving their input. He was like, yeah, well, you know, we're taking direction from, from NFED. We have a situation where this government seems to be hiding behind this group. It's always a bad idea, be it in a football dressing room, in a workplace, in a family, whatever it is, if there's decision-making without accountability, be it a school principal, anything, if, if you're making decisions and you're not accountable, like we're, we're having a podcast here, if you decide that you're going to go and do X, Y, and Z on the podcast and it's all a disaster and you know someone else is about the podcast doesn't give out to you or doesn't pull you up on it or, or whatever, it, it's a disaster. You, you can't have a decision-making without accountability. But well, we have a situation with this NFET where who are they accountable to? If you if you say the government are doing what NFED says, there's people who say no, no, you're you're wrong. They're only advising. If cases go down, NFED are lauded as heroes. They're saving the country. We saw a mural of Dr. Tony Holohan going up on a wall in Dublin, done up as Superman because cases went down. NFED, so cases go down. NFED are right. Cases are rising. NFED are still right. We're just not listening. So at what point do we do we say well? Hold on. Maybe well, they, maybe they're not infallible. They're not the Pope. The point the point where it will come is they are accountable to the government. And the point is those government representatives have to come back to the people at some stage and look for votes. Mm. And that's where the accountability will come in. If you know whether whether people like it or not, that will be held accountable. I think I think right rightly so. Like and I think local representatives um, a lot of local representatives in rural Ireland come from GA backgrounds as well and regularly seen in matches and stuff like that. It's a part a lot of these people are involved in community organizations and there's no bigger one than GA. And I think you know people need to be making representations to them. Just and, and and bringing it just back to the GEA on it. These are outdoor venues. These are they're 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 spaced. Like I heard them talking about reopening schools, and one expert said that look at if you actually want the schools to be reopened in, in a completely safe environment, teach the classes outside, and then it's fine. There's there's air, there's fresh air, there's circulation of the air going through. The chances mm. of infection are very very slim. So why is that then? If you're talking about getting the kids, he he actually said on the radio, I think it was Pat Kenny show. He actually said, you know, okay, it is it is the winter, but if it's not raining, let's wrap them up, let's get them in hats and scarves and gloves and teach outside because it it is so safe to do so. But now we're not allowed to watch a game of football outside. It's not as if it's an indoor basketball game. I, I completely agree, Damien. And I, I, I put up a tweet a few weeks ago, which I thought summed it up. But there's actually this thing here has actually put a new perspective on that tweet. The tweet I, I said was, how have we reached this point where it is deemed safe to play football, to roll around, to wrestle with your man? That's deemed safe. The NFET, these experts, everyone else is saying, you can do that. That's fine. You have no problem doing that. But you can't stand nowhere near anyone else and watch someone doing that <laughs> tell me how we have reached this point and then people like I find it so patronising that I heard people on the radio the other night and they're they're basically dismissing the opinions of, of people who hold the same opinion as me and they're like yeah, they don't understand the messaging I understand that it's about messaging and everything else completely and you have to send out the, 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 the right tone and you can't be seen to allow anything back I understand that but don't insult people's intelligence 
don't don't let sit here and, and let, let us believe that there's an infallible group there. Like, to, you know, I heard I heard uh, Simon Harris, and I'm not politically aligned. You have a lot of people that will not question this, and and if you question it, you get dismissed as a crank. I've had arguments with friends but, of mine. Yeah, well, well, and, and me being one of them. Yeah, but I, I think we scrutinise our politicians to the nth degree. We we've just seen, and and bear in mind that not necessarily people who run for election are politicians. You know, you, you people on NFET. You, I don't think there's anyone who thinks that Tony Holohan wasn't a politician. Of course, he was a politician to reach that position. It's all politics in, in those to make to climb the ladder in these things. There's political manoeuvring goes on there as well. We we also saw that the yeah. head, the the man who was in charge of Board Falcha or the tourism board who had to step down because he went in holiday in Italy. That's all political manoeuvring to get into these these positions. All- but, but every position is political manoeuvre. Yeah, completely. And it's goes the same with currently board politics. Yeah, exactly. So. exactly. But, but we scrutinise our elected uh, officials so closely. So closely. Like you saw the, the, the scrutiny of Barry Cowan over a, over a four-year-old um, drink driving conviction, which, and again, I am not politically aligned and wouldn't have any preference for Sinn Féin, Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, anyone else. But like, the case we saw that he lost his his government his position as a minister over the head of that, but we don't scrutinise the people who are behind these politicians that are clearly making the decisions on the biggest the biggest crisis that have hit, has hit the country in years. And mm. don't you? Yeah, I think it's mad. I tell you what, I, we we could discuss it all evening, but it is a football podcast. I, I will say though, being I, I've disagreed with you on a lot of your points up to this point. I, I don't see the logic. I, I could understand the logic up to this point. I don't see the logic that outdoor sporting events are now behind closed doors. It does. It just doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me that 200 people is going to make a massive difference there. Why the rollback? Okay, if they said we're not going to 500 because venues can't hold 500, in certain cases, they'd be right. There, there's, there are venues around Cavan that 500 would be right on top of each other. But... To roll it back on this, I, I, I'd love. Look at, I'm waiting, and I'm going to hold me, 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 um, my, my complete condemnation of this until I read maybe that there's a, there is a, a logical explanation for this, and there's examples where football games are causing spreads in it. If there is that case, then okay, I'll, 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 I'll roll back. But at this point, I don't, I, I don't see it making sense. It, do, it doesn't make logical sense to me. But anyway, we'll have to move on, Paul. Okay, um, <laughs> you're disappointed. So, so ends the party political broadcast, <laughs> <laughs> or the non-party. Non-party because you're sorry. non, you're non, you're not aligned to anybody. I think is no is the rough idea. Right, we'll start off with our predictions from last week. I might as well get this out of the way. You're you're making ground, Paul. I'm making ground on you. It's um, now there was 19 games played. I got 10 out of the 19 right. You got twelve out of the nineteen, right? So, so it wasn't a great return. It wasn't a great, like it was a bad return by me, and and uh, and and a below average return for you, I'd say. Well, I, I I kind of my biggest mistake that I made that I'm disappointed in was tipping Calvin against the beat Rammer because I because even last week when you said it to me, I was like, I still think Rammer have more chance of winning the championship. I should have went when we got, but <laughs> but haven't haven't seen the Rammer against Shercock I thought maybe during a wee bit of a rut and the guys might catch them. And the other point where I'm disappointed was where I was trying to be incredibly smart by backing Killigarry because you back <laughs> Killigarry completely backfired on me. I should have went the other way. And <coughs> look, that's what you get for dealing with the dark arts. Um, right, we start off with the Hotel Kilmore Senior Championship. It was Kings Court against Larry United. We both went for Kings Court. There was no surprise here. Um, maybe only the fact that it was, it looked like it was back to round one for Lara in that they were that bad again. Yeah, I, I was at this one and uh the only surprise to me was was that there was Kingscourt won it with such ease. You know, they they absolutely dominated. There was a little rally from Lara in the middle of it and Kingscourt replied by by scoring two goals and, and killed off the, the game. And do you know what Lara did in some positions? They tried to be physical with Kingscourt, they tried to make it a real dirty war of attrition. There were some cheap shots taken. And I, I think of all teams in Cavan, Kingscourt are a team you don't want to do that with because they've got they've got so much physical power and they've felt they've they're not a team you can bully. No, and rarely, I think, anyway. Yeah, they're hard. They're hard to, to bully. They're, but they're a teams. big side. 
Paddy Mead and Pork Faulkner and Peter Corrigan and uh, Sean Burke, like Joe Dillon, Alan Clark, they're they're big physical men, like yeah, like they're not the la- type of lads you can bully. Uh, I don't think some teams those sort of intimidatory stuff might work. It doesn't work with Kingsford. I, Damien, I've been trying to put my finger on it, this transformation in Kingsford. All uh, right, I thought you were going to talk about the. The, the transformation from your highs of Lara to your lows, but we'll we'll stay with Kingsford. Yeah, I I I, can, I like it, it's a hard one to absolutely nail down in one sentence. Why Kingsford have gone from being poor last year to being the looks have looking very good this year. Like obviously the return of Dylan to the side has had he's back from a cruciate. That's a help. Yeah. He's still only one man, and most of the players are the same lads from last year. Me, Paddy Mead has has come on a lot in the twelve Fair months. Uh, Park Faulkner so has Shane Duffy Keane Sheckleton some yeah. of those younger guys Sean Burke Peter Corrigan like they were young. they were yeah Colin McKeown, they, they were last year they were young fellas and played like young fellas this year they're playing like men mm, and John Oates is another wing yes. back and that's that's what I was going to say that's where I think it is it's the, the, all those they had that strong spine anyway mm. um, you know Tinley he didn't play last week but Philly Tinley's a key man as well yeah all those lads you mentioned up the middle they had that strong spine but the, those players in the cornerback wing wing back wing forward positions in the corner there alongside Dylan Keane Shecklin all those lads have improved mm. bar none to a man they've, they all seem to have improved got stronger and and that's, wh- that's where Kingsford have made those gains and it's interesting now and I, I, I can't just remember whether their manager David um, Lennon said it to me on interview or, or after the interview but I spoke about the younger fellas after the first game against Lacken, and he said last year we were bitterly disappointed that our younger players let that quarterfinal against Cavendish go completely by them. You know they they needed to learn to step up, and they've been brilliant for us so far. So it's obviously something he's identified as a manager, gone and put time and effort into, and now he's getting results in abundance with them. Yeah, very impressed with him because it is a big, it is a big transformation. Like. They scored a total of fourteen points in two senior championship quarterfinals and no goals over over two games in mm. in eighteen and nineteen. Uh, so and didn't win either of them, obviously. So this is a this is a big transformation. Kingscourt looking very good, and I know you you posted a poll, and a lot of people fancied him. Yeah, without a doubt. Now they're they're second favourites at the minute. So uh, for anybody who's um, not currently subscribed to the Diehard service, we we posted to our diehards last night, um, who would win the senior championship this year with three rounds played and uh, so far there's two more days left on the poll uh, but so far it's Ramer United 49% of the votes Kingscourt in second with 18% of the votes Castle or sorry Cavan Gales in third with 13% um, Castle Rahan in fourth with 10% and Crusula in fifth with six percent and then others make up the other four percent so a lot of people are fancying king's court on lara they've calvin gills this weekend and it's going to end up now they've had four senior championship games four sorry three hammerings i'm going to say and a close enough run game six point or sorry finished three points but closest run game against crush but it's not the championship that lara would have anticipated considering the talent that they have but they've learned a harsh lesson sorry they've learned a lesson it hasn't been as harsh as I think it should have been because there should be relegation mm. but maybe that played into it a wee bit for Lauer that because there was no relegation they just didn't really well like anyone listening to this podcast will know that uh, you are totally right about Lauer you, I was saying I fancy this Lauer team to get a run I, think that, I was saying I think they're the best team to win an intermediate in the last few years and I, I like I, I thought last year at the tail end of the year their their county final performance and their performance in Ulster I thought they had reached a really good level, um, but no, they have gone back say, so much. I have to say I'm I'm surprised what when you made that statement that you thought they were the best intermediate team to win it in the last few years. I remember you saying to me at the start of 2019 if Mullahorn played to mm. the level that they played in that Ulster Championship intermediate championship reaching that final that they're a semi-final team at senior level. And I'd have agreed with you. You know, so I have to say, maybe I'm biased because I was involved in that Mullerhorn team. I do think that Mullerhorn team was was a better intermediate winning team than, than Lara. Yeah, I, I, give, a better balance I give Lara a slight edge just because uh, I thought they were so young. 
I thought give them a yeah. slight edge because I thought they they might have a little bit more scope for improvement. But Muller, like Mullerhorn, <coughs> I'd stand over that t- still. Mullerhorn at the level they played like in December was it December twenty eighteen? Mm. They were playing as good a football as as most teams in Cavan are capable of. And 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 where you would give Lara the edge because of the youth, that's where I'd give Mullerhorn the edge because while. Yeah, Lara had probably at that stage more room for improvement because of the age profile. The bit of experience that Mullerhorn had, I think, made them a better team to to, to win that intermediate. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it it's it, it's just maybe a difference of opinion that whether all youth or youth and some experiences is a better side. But it's it was look at I I I would not have while we were debating this off air about Lara, I would not have pictured their championship going this way. No, as no. as as much as I thought they they they'd struggle maybe to make a quarter final, they'd need a lucky draw. I didn't think that they'd be this bad in it, and I I th- I think from the Lara boys themselves, they'll just want this this game over on Sunday afternoon and forget about this year, bury the heads and 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 move on and get back to the form that they're capable of. Yeah, because. I th- I think so because. All wasn't well in the camp there, and I know they were really happy with their management last year. But there seems to be a bit of a breakdown, as far as I can gather, with some lads. So a clean break is probably what they need next year. One comment, just you you mentioned the poll, just just an interesting one before we move on. Back on the fourteenth uh, of July, we threw up a poll on, on We Are Cavan. It'll tell you Kingscourt weren't even in the in the reckoning; they weren't even in the shake up at the time. A Twitter poll only gives you an option of four, and the question was, who's going to win the senior championship? If not one of these four for reply with your answer and the, the options were Kassaran, Cavan Gales, Rammer and Crushala. 355 votes 40% went for Cavan Gales back in mid-July 24% Crushala, 22% Rammer 14% Kassaran threw up the same poll yesterday 353 votes so only two votes less the Gales dropped from 40 down to 23 Rammer went from 22 to 45 so their stock has really risen Kassaran went from 18 down to 14 and the big fallers then after that was Crushala uh, went from 24 down to 14. So interesting. But obviously, Kingscourt are in the reckoning now. So that probably the poll is a bit skewed there as well. It is. It is. Third game in the Hotel Kilmer Senior Championship that we were predicting was in Saturday evening in Cross Keys, Cavan Gales against Rammer. Um, as one Rammer United uh, supporter said to me, we always know we're onto a good thing or a good weekend when yourself and Paul both back against us and uh, it proved out to it proved to be the same again. We both went for Cavan Gales here. Even though you don't think Cavan Gales would win it, even though I, I, I pulled you on it and tried to let you change because I thought the Gales were going to win it so I was trying to get the extra point but my God, thank God you didn't twist on that one. I'm raging. It's the one prediction I'm raging over. Uh, kind of bottled it a bit. Got caught up in the Gales hype after the Mullerhorn win, even though I was telling everyone, ignore the, ignore the Gales hype after the Mullerhorn win. But <laughs> I did. What, what swayed me, I think, was that that I thought that Edo Cole and James Brady might be carrying injuries. Yes. And like both lads played and played well, but that was kind of what swayed me. And I thought maybe Rammer uh, already had two wins. They mightn't go ball headed for this one. Mm. And, you know, third round game, blah, blah, blah. But they did. They did, yeah. They were like, really, they were really impressive. They got their matchup spot on, and they were a the hungrier team. They had a lot more. I thought they had a lot more legs around the middle of the field as well. Well, the, the funny thing was that that was the word, and 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 on the Diehards podcast later in the week, you'll you'll hear from joint manager Shane McInerney, and he used the word energy, and and I thought it summed it up perfectly. They had energy. They had energy both going forward and defending, like Lurkin Lynch. Three blocks on, on Martin Dunn. He blocked Martin Dunn's kick three times. I can't remember Martin Dunn having his kick blocked three times before in 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 a year, maybe, you know. So I thought like really good energetic performance from there. I thought there was so many good performances. It was solid across the entire team. But to pick out a few, I thought Brian O'Connell had Shani Johnson well wrapped up early doors. Now, granted, a bit of support coming back closing out space all helped to do that but you know I, I, I don't know at what stage Shani Johnson got a touch of the ball or, or how many touches he got but Brian O'Connell the matchup was perfect I thought Adam O'Connell had a very good game from mm. wing back there like really worth mentioning Um, you know so many good displays Killian Maguire in the middle of the field like he he definitely caught three midfield marks and 
like his direct opponent, I think, was Groden McKiernan. So big, big display by him. Sean McAvoy coming off the bench is making a huge impact, and he's torn in games. Yeah. You know, it's it, when later on we'll be naming the team of the week, but we have to talk about the point of right. You know, lads to play sixty minutes. It's it's almost like when we give Shawnee Johnson got the player of the week last week for a half an hour, and it was because that half an hour was brilliant and and won the game. Sean McAvoy is hitting that sort of a a, a pitch in. Now, it was a half an hour this week, but in 15 minutes in the first game against Gown, or, or maybe 17, 18 minutes. And, you know, so he's he's become a huge weapon for Rammer in that if the game is, if the team is in the melting pot coming into the, the second half or, or the final straight, and they can bring on Sean McAvoy at that point, that's nearly your winning formula. That's it done. Like, he's, he's, he's playing that well. He is, he is playing that well. Yeah. Like, he he's fa- so fast, so energetic, and he can pick out passes, and he can take scores, mm-hmm. um, and he can take on his man. Yeah, he can beat can... beat his man. Loves to take on his man. Yeah. Like he's a really exciting player to watch. Uh, oh, I think think he's he's done everything that could be asked for, and more. Like he's doing really well. But as we we're saying about the the legs, and you said as Shane McNair described it, the energy in the middle of the field. You now Garrett Mannion, I thought. We're talking about a runner that could beat his man and turn on the the Borners. I thought he was brilliant around the middle. Mm. They they had that and they have that tough edge to them there as well. Like Owen Somerville's been so impressive, yeah, so far as well. Just get stuck in winning dirty ball and doing the dirty jobs that need yeah. to be done. Um, so th- look, the Gales are going to have to be asking big questions to themselves. I thought they were a little bit slow on the line as well at times. I thought that tactically there was only one winner. Yeah. You know, I I I thought Rammer, while not always the prettiest when you bring 15 players behind the ball it's managing the game at the right times and knowing when the right times are and they they, they just I thought they were, their, their game management their decision making tactically I thought they were just excellent really really top performance by them like, I, th- I thought Paul O'Connor played well and I thought Martin Dunn kicked a couple of nice points even though Lorcan Lynch could be very happy with his day's work mm. but Dunn kicked a couple of nice points in play and he kicked a good free with the outside of the boot um, I think O'Connor's playing as good a football as I've seen him play. Yeah, possibly. Over the course of the three games, like you'd have to say to, that he has he has been good, yeah. kicked some good points. But like <laughs> the, the uh, interesting from like I think I've seen have I seen all three Rammer games. Every every game I've seen, and definitely the Gowna game and the uh, the Cavan Gales game. The opposition are now picking out Simon Cadden and saying. Right, if we stop Simon Cadden, we're going to go and beat Gauna. And Simon Cadden's happy to continue just run around, little touches, hand pass off, not an overly spectacular, but just enough to keep that man marker going, right, I have to follow this man everywhere he goes, it's not going to be an easy day. And what that's allowing the rest of the Rammer players to do is have space. Completely, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Simon Cadden could turn around and very easily say, do you know what? I'm being sick. I'm sick of being man marked. I'm going to hide out onto the wing. But he's not doing that. He's keeping that man marker occupied, and it's that's such a vital role for the team. Like it's 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 very interesting. Him and Levi had a a physical battle. Levi didn't move away from him at any point and got got really close and physical. But Simon didn't back down from him. Can, can you afford Damien uh, to totally sacrifice a player like that out around the middle? Like so many times the ball went flying past Levi Murphy, and he never looked at it. Yeah, like it was old school stuff. The ball would literally almost be within reach, or not just within reach, but not far off it. Yeah. And he just kept his eyes on Cadden and let his back turn to the ball. Can you afford to sacrifice a man out around the middle when you're playing a team with such legs around the middle with Mannion and and those fellas? And 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 I mean this in in a positive manner, though. They're not a one man team, Robert. It's no. not as if stop Simon Cadden, you're going to stop the entire team you, you've they've got so many different ways of hurting you they, like it's last year they needed to score more to win like obviously it sounds stupid but they needed to score more last year to be a championship winning team like I think in their in their seven games last year they didn't score a goal I think in about four or five of them mm-hmm. uh, and they're scoring more now they, they didn't put up a big score against Shercock but they're getting goals uh, they're looking like they can get scores from everywhere like they're no longer totally reliant on Edo Cole to, to, to play a hand in half their scores you know, yeah. if it will tie up the full back line, gives them an option, but they're not reliant on him. Which look, they're they're in a good place. We sang we sang the praises of Evan Fortune and Luke Fortune last week against uh, Mullahorn. Like this week, they were on James Brady and Ado Cole. Now, while neither of them got cleaned, that was 
that was the truer level of of where them lads need to be at and and i would say that the rammer lads just edged those battles and there were two key battles yeah and if you look at kevin Meehan, like the anchor of the defense you know comparing would say and it's probably an unfair comparison but the, the previous anchor of that defense was was chesty riley and what he would do was drive forward. You saw the knees coming up, chesty yeah, breaking yeah. tackles. Whereas Kevin Meehan at times, I was looking at him, I was thinking, you need to you need to go at them here. He he was mopping up ball, cutting out ball, turning back, laying it off. It wasn't the game for that. Mm. There needed to be more urgency, I thought, in his game because he was so good the week before. Um, See, there's some games where if you're four or five points in front, yeah, that's the role. Hold back and, 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 and if you want to just lay it off. But there's times when you're chasing the game, you've got to go at it. You've you've got to throw caution to the wind and try to try to impose yourself at the other end of the field. And that's uh, that's probably where the Gales lacked it a wee bit now last week. But it still comes with the health warning. It was in cross keys. Calvin Gales and Kingspan Breffney is a different outfit. Whether or nine points a different outfit it's very debatable but I saw the Gales last year uh, in, on tough conditions I think it was I think it was in cross keys against uh, Casaran and they were beaten well beaten on the even by 9 or 10 points played them again in the semi-final breath and it was a 5 point game mm. they were closer uh, have seen that definitely would agree with that the Gales, it's worth a few points to the Gales it is the Gales play well in Breffney although they, they did get a heavy defeat against Crusher Law in Breffney last year but That's in right. general they, they play well in Breffney yeah okay moving on to the fourth game we better start going through these quick because we're running out of time um, Crusher Law we both went for them in their victory over Lacken um, you, you, you picked up a little bit of info on this game yeah, well, it was one night to four points at half time, so the game was effectively over at that stage as a contest. Um, good performance by Shane McManus in the first half, kicked some nice points for Krushla, uh and kicked one or two in the second half as well. Emmett Boylan came on. Jimmy Higgins is doing a bit of a squad rotation uh, yeah. type system, I can see at the minute. Emmett Boylan, for example, starting some games, coming on other games. Uh, Key and Boylan, the same. Uh, they're all getting game time into them. And Krushla are, are top of the table. And yet, you know, in in those in those polls that were done, very few people tipping them to win the championship. Which, if I was Crushalaw now, involved in that Crushalaw squad, you'd be very happy with that. Well, they're the bottom, the top of the table, but the the bottom of the five teams we named on the diehards poll. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, 6%. so they have played Lavi, Lacken, and Lara, and Lara. You oh, see, the yeah, three L's. Yeah. yeah, they they have played they have played two of two teams that have no wins. Like between the three teams they played, the Lavi only have one win, and even that came against Shercock, who have no win. So, to be fair, they haven't played any of the any of the really strong teams yet. So maybe that's part of the reason why uh, people might think that their their form might be flattering them a bit. But uh, James Smith had an excellent game in the middle of the field. I was told Stephen Smith played really well. Similar playing playing deep. He went out around the middle and brought David Wilson with him, and uh, that suited Lacken to have. To bring Wilson out of the full for the full back line and left space in there, and Paddy Lynch thrived in there as well. Pierce Smith came on, which was good use for Crushlaw, and kicked a good point. I think the last point of the game was from Peter Smith, and it was an absolute blistering point. So, uh, uh, Crushlaw will be very happy with that. It's a local derby; it was a sticky one. I don't wouldn't say that Lacken would have been that high on motivation with nothing really to play for there. Um, well, there were everything to play for. They had, but they had to win it. Yeah, but at, at half time at eight points down, yeah, you know their season was kind of over, and like Ray Galligan took the fight to to Lacken very well. They did create a few chances, like Ray Krishla. had a, or Krishla, I can't believe we keep doing that. <laughs> Ray had a goal chance. Uh, I think it was Shane Moyne laid it off for him, and he it it just went over the bar. Could have been a goal very easily. Should have been a goal really. Uh, he kicked a few good frees and a long range point from play. Thomas Galligan kicked a long range point from play as well. Uh, Mark Wilson had a goal chance in the first half so it could have been closer but uh, Crush Law definitely deserved winners mm. The uh, fifth game in the Hotel Kilmer Senior Championship was Shercock against Lavi we both went for a Lavi win here there was no no real surprise we knew Shercock were going to Well I kind of talked you into a Lavi win because you were, you were calling it 50-50 until I started yeah. talking too much Yeah actually you're right you did you 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 turned me over a wee bit on that one um, I have to say the it, it it was close, but the difference between the sides was, was Shane Tierney's quality. Like we were discussing this off air. 
he he is the most consistent forward in the senior championship over the last three four years. He's there's no there's no defender that has completely wrapped up Shane Tierney. It's very hard to to wrap him up. You you need a player with serious physical strength because he's got such a low center of gravity. It's very hard to get him off the ball, and you know he's he's he can win the ball. He's low to the ground. He's direct, and he can kick off both feet. So and he can can turn fast as well. So he's so much going from, and like you know he's deadly accurate on his day. Deadly yeah. accurate. He was he was absolutely brilliant. I have to say, I think five points, four from open play. One from a free, and then he set up the goal for Dara Tierney, which was a a beautiful move where he just seen the run of Dara Tierney coming in, kind of central onto the goals, and the if he had played the ball high, keeper was coming out or played at chest height, defender was there. The only place he could put it was kind of roll it along the grass in front of him, so that he could he could just soccer style it into the into side foot into the net and. He didn't have to break stride. Like it was such a perfect, crisp pass, absolute moment of genius. But um, the 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 other big star for me that's rising in Lavi is like you've you've a former county senior Joey Jordan. He played came back in the full back, but I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying his best days are behind him, and they need to replace the likes of his ability. Danny Cusick is going to do that. Like he was he was excellent against Gauna. He was excellent again here against Shercock. Like he's a he's an old school man marking cornerback at at as high a level I'd I'd imagine as, as there is. Like I, I don't think he'd be lost at county senior level. Funny you should say that because I know uh, Mickey Hannon rates him very highly, he coached right. him in school, and Kevin McDonald when he was over Lavi rated him very highly. A man you can send out to do a job and, and he'll do it to a T. Like physically strong type of lad who just put his head down and he won't look up until the game is over. Mm. Work, work, work. Like not the most flashy player there ever was, but uh, a real worker, a lad you want on your side. Like I, I like him too. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, it's all those things are going to be interesting when they come to play Mullerhorn now. Like it's going to be really interesting to see who Mullerhorn put on Tierney and who who uh, Lavi put Cusick on. The matchup's going to be key in that game because that's probably the. the the game to watch in the last round, I'd say. Because mm. even though you have big teams meeting at the top of the table and vying for position, this is vying to keep your season alive for Mullerhorn. That's it. So, And but how how motivated will Lavi be is the other thing. That's the big question. That's the big question. And we'll, we'll come to that in the prediction show uh, later on the week on the Die Hard service. Um, the final game was Killigarry against Gauna. Again, the Dark Arts failed me on this one. We both went for Killigarry. Gauna came away with the most dramatic of victories. It was... It was brilliant. Like this is the type of game that makes me really disappointed with this this behind closed doors decision because if that game was played behind closed doors, you'd never get a sense of how good that game was. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I'm not coming back to that. <laughs> back to my rant about that, but I agree. I thought it was it was brilliant, and it goes back to like what we saw in championship, particularly two years ago. The novelty of going out to different venues. Mm. That was a game that might have been a damn squib in Breffney, uh, but out there it was just. It was just great out in Corner Fane. Like, you know, both teams went at it, to be fair to them. There wasn't a huge pile of blanket defences on show or anything. The teams were pouring forward, yeah. really going for it. Saw some really good quality scores, lots of good hitting in it. But but played in, a, in an excellent spirit. Yeah. There was nothing really dirty in the game. I know, and I thought Martin Sexton refereed it very well overall. A couple of times I thought he could have pointed the decision of the free a little bit earlier that... that you know, he he nearly he was running to the spot to before he'd pointed, and maybe I'm only uh, maybe that only annoys me when you're actually commentating and you're trying to describe to listeners exactly where the free is going to be taken from or who the free is awarded to. But overall, I thought he'd nexting him, and it it possibly had the potential of getting out of hand. You know, yeah. I'd say if if a, if a different referee had been on that game and the players thought well. We can go at this a wee bit more. We can make it a bit more physical. It could have actually got out of hand, but I thought it was refereed well overall. But some people are saying the standard referee and it's poor. But oh, I haven't seen that. But I haven't seen that myself. No, no, I have to say now. I've I seen... saw Connor Dorning ref in a game there. Um, whatever much of which game I was at over the weekend, I thought he did it very well. And Joe McQuillan ref uh, then and Swan Labar ref it really well. Yeah, yeah, and and I saw. 
I'm trying to think what game it was. Chris McCaffrey refereed a game in Kingspan Brefney and he gave an ex. It was a brilliant display of referee, and I have to say. But the only um, decision that I didn't agree with Martin Sexton over was the black card to Ryan Brady. Uh, it was too far away from me now. Yeah, it was right in front of me, and I thought it was a dangerous enough tackle. It was a, like a slap t- to the face. I think it was David Phillips that got it. I think it was Phillips. Uh, but I didn't think it was a bl- it was a black. Okay. Personally, I thought it was definitely a card, but I didn't think it was a black. Right, right, okay. Um, on the game itself, standout performers, like, I was saying, the matchups again by Jerry Cadden, I thought he got this one right, and Ryan McGahorn going on to uh, Ushin Brady, because Ushin Brady was instrumental in the first two games for Killigarry. He was he was the star player for Killigarry in, in, in game one and game two. Even though they were beaten, he was the one player that was playing really, really well. Like Connor Smith was playing well, playing very well in some parts and, and, and maybe coming back out a little bit. Martin Riley, I thought Martin Riley was very good though this weekend. I thought that was the best performance I've seen by him. But Ryan McGahorn, for me, he's turning into a, a really good man marker. I, I can't remember him being on the radar that much last year that I thought he's going to be he's going to be marking the best that's out there. Yeah, I think he was playing playing around the middle of the field at the times before this. But he's settling very well there at fullback mm. now. I think he's he's done really well. Like he's been close to team of the week territory all the time. Yeah. Like he's done a good job every day he's gone out. Um but like with Conor Brady out of it, it's it's probably exposing things a wee bit. Like we have said that Garner have problems at the back, but like on an individual level, I thought Finon Brady had a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan McGarn, David Phillips is solid there in the corner yeah. as well. So, like maybe maybe they're better than we're giving them credit for. But uh, the Casaran game now is going to be huge for them. It is. It is. And the other end of the field, uh, I thought Keane Riley once again. With a, with a very mature display at cornerback, like it, I think somebody got in contact with us on the talking points yesterday about him. Like he's he's definitely one to watch. Not gonna not gonna blow his head just completely yet, but in three games of senior championship, he doesn't look out of place competing against anybody. And he was up against Ushin Pearson at the weekend and and had the better of Ushin Pearson. So um, I thought Key and Madden and Connor Madden both played well. Um, Connor and Fitz and starts. Now, whether that's injury or or there may be a tendency in his in his game sometimes to be not consistently in the game, but when he comes into it, my God, he sets it light. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair analysis. I think of Connor. Like I thought, he he scored one two, set up a goal, set up the point at the end to win it, yeah. and still you look at him and say, there's there's even more in him. That's how good he <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, you know, yeah. like for a lot of players, that'd be a great day's work. But the, like. You know he's a potential championship winner. I I think, uh, and I thought Keane Madden came up with big scores as well when they were needed. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen that before, Keane Madden that that he is a good man in a t- tough spot. He he'll seek out the responsibility, and I thought he came up with a couple of big points towards the end of the game when when Garner really needed scores. Mm. And Connor Madden, both lads. Yeah, the uh, the the other one I thought which was an interesting move. I don't think I had seen it before. Was uh, Danny Brady putting Matthew McKenna in on the square? That worked well. Yeah, again, maybe maybe he was kind of forced on him. Maybe he wasn't a hundred percent fit to play around the middle. But like, you know, he's so classy, mm. and and he's he's strong. He's very physically strong. He's all there. But he he's so classy. Like te- technically, skill wise, he he's technically very good. Yeah. And like when he got those two goal chances, you just knew he was going to bury them because mm. you know he's he's one of these players that just just does the right thing in that situation. I said, well, no, sorry, I shouldn't say he does the right thing because he doesn't always do the right thing, but. He has the ability to execute a skill very well. Yes. Uh, but he doesn't always do the right thing. Actually, that's a problem in his game. And we saw him at one stage taking an attacking mark and stuck up his hand, but didn't actually stop and just blazed it a mile wide. That's right. At which shooting down into the... the away, away from the away road. Away from the road, yeah. 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 Uh, which, which was a crazy one. Because in the end of the day, it was a one-point game. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, so we both got that wrong. So at the end of the senior championship six games, um, I'm right in saying that we both got four out of the six right. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, 
Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Okay, so um, that brings us to the end of, of our look back on last weekend's predictions for the rest of them for our intermediate and junior um reviews of the weekend gone by head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are calvin um so time for the team of the week paul again difficult because there was 19 games and the the worry is i think between the two of us we hit was it 10 or 11 games or something we, we we covered a huge amount of them but obviously it was impossible to get to them all well, we so have our network of spies on the ground with loads of them and 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 they are doing trojan trojan work undercover in uh in, in difficult they're, territory so they're sometimes. gonna have to be undercover now <laughs> <laughs> they are, yeah yeah it's going to be more difficult going forward but uh yeah so look we'll start off with the proactive risk control team of the week the nominations that come in for goalkeeper of the week was um, Keane O'Kelly from Rammer United second team on Friday night over Drumgoon Harry Clark from Drumlane and Joe Masterson Kilishandra. Um maybe start off with Keane O'Kelly apparently really really good display that was that was a, a big surprise in in the intermediate but O'Kelly was vital in it yeah didn't hear much about it only got several nominations came in for him so uh, I know he is a good young goalkeeper mm worked at it uh, Harry Clark I was at the game and again didn't really put a foot wrong there's <coughs> very little you could say he, he done wrong and pulled off a couple of couple of saves one very very good one um, but I think we go for the, the goalkeeper of the week goes to Joe Masterson by all accounts I wasn't at this game but by all accounts the first name of everybody's tongue was Joe Masterson had a great game yeah Joe Masterson had a cracking game against against Bally Hayes I was told by numerous Bally Hayes people in fact so that tells you uh, like Bally Hayes especially in the first half they were getting a lot of ball inside to Sean McCormick and Stephen Smith and they were getting chances they were creating marks and but they had runners coming off the shoulder as well they were getting chances and, and yeah. the, the Kilishander number one did very well so I think he's a deserving winner good stuff okay so we'll go through all the nominees for the full back line and then we'll try and pick through them so um, the nominees are Niall Carlin from Coohollands Cian Riley from Killigarry Lorcan Lynch from Lorgan Josh O'Reilly from Nugent Ryan McGahern from Gauna uh, David Shalvey again from Krushalov Fimber McAvinu from Arva and Danny Cusick from Lavi a lot of good performers there I heard Fimber McAvinu uh, Peter McCabe from Killing Care was tearing La or Arva apart early doors, and the management made a move, put McAvinu back in there, and really tightened them up. But it may have come at a cost to Arva going forward, which is, you know, I suppose testament to McAvinu. He, he's he's not just a good man marker; he's a he's a baller as well. Yeah, he's really come on like uh, in the last couple of years. He's he's established himself now as one of the main men in that Arva team. In a short space of time, really, yeah. like he would have played under for Cavan all the way up, was always a good player. But I think he's really, he's really kicked on now. Yeah, Niall Carlin, very good game for for Cuhullins. He was picking up Jack Trainer, which wouldn't be the easiest of tasks. But again, in that in that same mould as as Key and Riley, uh, you know, can play a lot of ball while still doing a man marking job, full of pace too. He's very quick. Yeah, I think I think you know a young defender or two. There's no harm with Cuchullins because they had loads of options up front and maybe could have done with more cover at the back. So he's a welcome addition to that mm. Cuchullins team. Yeah, Lurkin Lynch, impressive. We, we mentioned earlier about his three blocks on Martin Dunn. Um, even though Martin Dunn got a couple of points, I think he had a really good game. Um, I think so. We'll go with, if you have any objections to it, let me know, Paul. Lurkin Lynch at two. Yeah. Uh, Ryan McGahern for his job on, on Ushin Brady. I thought that that was instrumental in going his win at three. And Danny Cusick for his job on Niall Clerken and then Owen Morrissey um, against Shercock. I thought he, he snuffed out both players. So Yeah, Danny Cusick's been phenomenal. Absolutely mm. phenomenal. Yeah, he, That's a good full back line. Couldn't, couldn't be much tougher than that. Um, so the nominees then in the half-back line are uh, Thomas Farley from Rammer United, Adam O'Connell from Rammer United, Cormac Timoney from Balanya, Liam McCabe from Killing Care, Mark McKeever from 
downer, Paul Smith from Castle Rahan. Any comments? Well, the halfback line is, along with the full forward line, is usually the hardest to pick. I don't know what it is. I think halfbacks get on ball and they do a few flashy things and loads of nominations always come in for players in the halfback line. And obviously, uh, scoring forwards put up big scores and they they mm. jump off the page straight away. But, um, yeah, give give us your final selection, Damien. There's so many to choose from there. I know we discussed this off air. Well, even, so, yeah, well, the, the the three we decided to go for, and and, and I, I suppose it just goes to show that you're, uh, you, it was so close to pick them, but Adam O'Connell we went for at number five. Well, he came for, up with 1-1 for Ammer yeah. and covered every blade of grass. Yeah. Uh, Cormac Timoney for Balagna, who was excellent, physically strong, very athletic, great baller, contributes on the scoreboard. You know, he's, he's a player that I just love watching. Yeah, well, he... You know, he he played a hand in both goals. He was taken down for a couple of frees. Like I know that that some of the Balnea lads are saying, like this lad's different gravy. And mm-hmm. you know, I think we discovered him as well. We were talking about him as future county player about two years ago. That's right. And so I think, uh, well done to us. Well done to us. And the final position we went for was was uh, at the other end of the age spectrum. Mark McKeever still an absolute classy baller, um, left footed coming up the field. Torn and over possession, but his his use of the ball, his reading of the game now was I thought was was, was top top class against uh, Killigarry. I could talk all day about McKeever, like he's the exact same age as me, and that's where the similarities end. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I played against him on the twelves, on the fourteens, and stuff like that, and like you know he's thirty six now, and you should have seen that man when he was thirteen or fourteen. <sighs> he was because I played against him in on the in on the fourteen game. Within a year, he's winning a senior championship medal, and I was yeah. trying to get into the Red Hills under sixteen four like, in Division Four. But the, Mark McKeever's an absolute torvid, like one of the best players to play with Cavan in the last twenty years. Yeah, Paul Smith from Castlerahan didn't make it, um, but I thought a very very good display. Liam McCabe from Killing Care picked up Kevin Boucher again. Coming into those key battles, it's important that the matchups are got right. So credit to Paddy Bates, and then that the matchup actually works. And on on as two ticks there for from what I heard is two ticks for killing care for Liam McCabe, and then Thomas Farley, who for me I thought would have been more of a forward, was definitely operating in the defensive end of the field for Rammer. I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, well, Massey Farley would have played as a forward uh, generally. Yeah. Um, I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. I think I said his brother Connor by accident. He's been on the intermediate team, but I, I was saying like, you know, Massey Farley might make the starting team, but he'd make most teams. Yeah, and uh, I think he proved that. Like his performance, just a real hard working shift. Mm. Okay, Rammer got a lot of bodies back, but they all had to do their, their job. He made a few big turnovers, and he can play ball as well. He's yeah, very strong his, use, his use of the ball was excellent. Um, right, so in the middle of the field, the four nominees that we got in. I think we only had four, had we? No, sorry, we had five nominees in. Um, there were James Smith from Crushalaw, Killian Clark from Shercock, Sean Gaffney from Kill Shamrocks, uh, Jason McMahon from Killing Care, and Killian Maguire from Rammer United. Um, James Smith, in a battle with Thomas Galligan, came out on top from what I understand, and looks like he's growing in confidence as the games go on and on. Yeah, he's been doing really well, and like he's going to have to play. If Crush are to win the championship, he's going to have to play a 9 out of 10 now from here on in. Like, there's only four games left, three games to get to a county final, and he needs three massive performances because he's a county man now on that Crush Law mm. team. He's he, he's the man that's going to need to fire them to, to the final, along with maybe Stephen Smith and one or two others. So, uh, he's so far so good for James. Killian Clark looked very good now. I, while his scoring was mainly through freeze, he was fouled a lot at the time as well, and then the put him into the full forward line and he was very effective in there. Like I wasn't that impressed with Killian against Rammer. I thought it was a you know a, a mediocre display by his standard, but I was impressed with him against Lavi. I well, he, he has played. improved as the games have gone on. Like mm. he was he was poor against against um Castellan first. He he was he, he wasn't bad against Rammer but not at his standard and now it sounds like he's at his standard now. Mm. Uh so yeah like I think he probably needed games. He probably used to train it so much with the county in other years that he was always getting his fill of it. Maybe this year he, he was a bit on the rusty side, but he seems to be getting fitter as the thing has gone on as well. Killian Maguire for Rammer United, I thought, excellent game in the middle field. Three midfield marks, but his general contribution, finishing off at the last score of the game, overall his his contribution to, to Rammer's victory was, was crucial. Mm, definitely. 
Um, so the two that we went for were Sean Gaffney for Kill Shamrocks and Jason McMahon for Killing Care. Like the Kill Shamrocks victory was a massive upset over the weekend, but everybody I spoke to um, said that Sean Gaffney put in an exhibition. Yeah, like. Sean Gaffney has been been such a good player for Kill. Like when they won the junior championship seven seven years ago, it's hard to believe that seven years ago now. Like he came up with the winning point in that. He, he I think he scored one four that day for for Kill in the final against Arva. Um, he came on around that maybe the year before that or around that time. He came on for his one appearance. I think it's his one appearance in the national league for Cavan. He he got one touch of the ball, fifty yards out, threw it over the bar. Right. So he's a good man to come up with a big score, and yeah. he's come up with another one here. And you know. It's like con- it's like the All Stars as well. Like as brilliant as Sean was the weekend, sometimes an outstanding team effort probably needs to be recognised as well. And I think it's it's recognition for all the kill lads because that's a big result. Yeah. Like to be fair, they've taken some heavy defeats in the junior championship the last couple of years. So to turn around and beat Ryan Nugent, who are being fancied and talked up by us, who had David Givney playing for them. Yeah, huge, hu- huge result for for kill. So well done, kill and Sean Gaffney. Yeah, and then Jason McMahon who. Um, was uh, instrumental for Killing Care in their victory and again this was a huge upset that we didn't expect it on, on, on the opening round games for both sides Arva with a really good performance against Balenya looked like they're ready to step back up and, and compete for the intermediate Killing Care with a very poor performance against Drumgoon looked like they were going to be struggling around the bottom end of it but to turn it around and, and, and win that you know, six points to spare was a was a massive one. But Jason McMahon with a huge game on Kieran Brady in the middle of the field. Um, and you know, any day you go to battle with Kieran Brady and come away with two points to your name, and most people, sorry, everybody that I spoke to said he had the better of Kieran Brady. You deserve a team of the week. Yeah, well, it wasn't at this one, but I did hear great reports. I heard it was a great battle. Yeah, and to be similar players, like love to get forward, really hard working. Lionhearted players who give it everything to type of lads you want on your team. So well done to Jason McMahon. Yeah, congratulations. So moving on to the half forward line, the nominations um here are Ben McIntyre from Kill Shamrocks, Ushin O'Connell from Castle Rahan, Sean McAvoy from Rammer United, Pork Faulkner from Kings Court, Kean Madden from Gauna, um Shane Hanley from Muncher Connacht and Connor Madden from Gauna. Yeah, look, great performances across the board. Like Park Faulkner could have probably got on the team in almost any line in the field because he he played all over the place uh, and and was just a monster on the night. Uh, Sean McAvoy so good off the bench. We talked about him earlier. Shane Hanley, huge big man uh, with an athletics background. Uh, someone has to be listening to us here. We're always picking up this man, Shane Hanley. Yeah. Let's get him onto some sort of a panel and and hopefully he'll put the effort that he puts into his athletics if he was to turn his full attention to football you know there'd be no, nothing to stop him because a big man like that that can move like that yeah. and kick scores it's great performances half forward lines always one of the hardest to pick yeah definitely Ben McIntyre is a, a player I'm looking forward to seeing at some stage in the in the future because I, I heard a lot of praise um, for his display at the weekend um, very very athletic very very fast player caused uh Man Nugent all sorts of trouble. Ushin O'Connell off the bench, four points in fifteen minutes, two attacking marks, two from open play, and as I said on the diehards, Castlerahan wouldn't have won this game if it wasn't for Ushin O'Connell coming off the bench. So um great to see that. Key and Madden and Connor Madden both growing as the championship kind of goes on. Key and Madden's getting there. He's he's gradually starting to come back to the player that that we lauded two, three years ago. When he was coming out a minor as a as an absolute prospect for a county senior, he's he's not quite there yet, but he's definitely making strides towards it. And Connor Madden in glimpses, absolutely magical. Um, but the half forward line we decided to go for was Sean McAvoy from Rammer United, Park Faulkner from Kingscourt, and Shane Hanley from Muncher Connacht. Shane Hanley has to be watched. He's a colossal. He's huge. He's. He, if he's not 6'6", six, six, I'm, I'm very surprised, but he's definitely 6'5", and he's physically well-built. He was kicking the freeze for Muncher Connacht while I was there, but he can run, and when he gets momentum coming through the middle, my God, you'd be a brave person to stand in front of it. Like He's 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 somebody that really, really should be grabbed and, and, and made 
you know, or, or, or begged to just say, listen, we think we can make a county senior out of you. Let's let's give it two years. Let's just give us everything that we have for two years and we'll give you enough that makes it, you know, enjoyable and worth your while. That's it, you see. Like, it's an investment. It'd be an investment on the part of, of the county management and it'd be an investment on the part of the player because that would take time. But, uh, like, I think he'd have a great shot yeah. at making it. But the thing is, I mean, I don't think we're going to see any county football this year and that's going to be something we can discuss later in the week, but mm. uh, it's looking unlikely. It's a possibility. Okay, so now into the, the, the big line where there's always a huge amount of nominations come in. So for the full forward line, uh, the nominations are Ben Connerty from Den, Daryl McGorn from Drumlane, Stephen Smith from Crushalaw, James Brady from Rammer, Thomas Edward Dunahoo from Den, Shane Tierney from Lavi, Edo Cole from uh, Rammer United, Kevin Smith from Balanya, Patrick Lynch, Crushalaw, Anthony Brady from Kill, Endo Riley from Mullahorn, um, Conal Jordan from Arva, Joe Dillon from Kingscourt, Killian Smith from Ballamacue, and Evan Doughty from Cuhullins. Uh, they're all the nominees. Too many names to be going through all the time. Um, to be going through the whole lot of them. I suppose the uh, the games that I saw, I'm just thinking Evan Doughty. I only seen the first half of it, but he finished with eight points to his name. A really good display. Killian Smith actually in a losing side of Ballamacue. I thought I was impressed with some of the things he'd done. Um, now. It has a bit of growing still to do, but I, I thought overall a good enough display. Endo Riley, I thought was was excellent considering he's on Stephen Cooney and still was was in top top form. Um, Kevin Smith, as always, like at intermediate level of full forward, there's there's they're going to get it hard to get a better full forward. But if there is one, it's probably Conal Jordan, mm-hmm. who was who was excellent as well. Um, Shane Tierney, as I said, I think he's always there thereabouts uh, for a team of the week. Um, Darren McGorn, another very impressive youngster. Um, I remember like he he's only seventeen years of age. He was taking the freeze on left foot, right foot, but his ball winning was excellent as well. He was fouled a lot. Um, a real prospect as well. Yeah, look, you've you've a pick of a couple of great full forward lines there for you free takers in there. You've lads, you've all different types of players, but. Uh, that this was the hardest line to pick, and I've said that about every line up to now. But this was the hardest <laughs> line to pick. So the three players we went for was Thomas Edward Donahue from Den, Shane Tierney from Lavi, and Enda O'Reilly from Mullahorn. Um, you seen Ted as good as as good as I'm hearing. And like he scored one eight, uh, probably about one two from play one three from play maybe there was a mark in there a few frees he was fouled for a few of those frees he was fouled for a few frees that Keane McCann scored he laid on a couple of points for Ben Connolly as well uh, who also had a really good game he scored four points from play and was probably on the short list as well yeah. uh, but I thought I thought Ted in terms of an impact on a game for one individual I thought he was he was one of the shining lights over the weekend because he really he really did impact that game and uh, you know then are in a good place there because you've Cavell Kyogun to come back into the yeah. team as well so their, their attack is very good I was saying that on commentary their attack is very potent looking uh, Mossy Corr at the back who who had his hands full with Rory Corn in the first half he scored four points from play on him off limited supply but Mossy got the grips of that challenge as the game went on and left his imprint on, on Corn in a couple of collisions <laughs> and uh, showed his power and uh, old dog for the hard road so yeah Mossy, not too many forwards are going to get the better of Mossy in the junior championship for an hour anyway. And, and uh, you know, there's some tough nuts in that then defence. And they all played well. So, 118 to 19, good win there. But, but uh, opposition managers, watch out. T- uh, Ted Donner is the man you have to stop. And we mentioned earlier on in the week that we were talking that maybe county players not not stepping up. He's on the county panel. It's great to see um, Ted just shining, shining a light himself, Park Faulkner. They're both county players that are yeah. looking very good. Very good. Like, Swan Bar, I was a wee bit disappointed with them. Like, they got a great win in the high scoring game against Strong. Didn't have Chris Corn this time, and uh, they were a wee bit toothless up front. But still, still not a bad performance against a very good Den team. Yeah. Um, like, I thought Ryan Pryor showed up well at centre half. Uh, Rory Corn at times showed some great stuff. Up front, so that they do have. I still think they'll make the knockout stage, just well like that. Very good. So, folks, that's your proactive risk control team of the week for week three. Just to recap, Joe Masterson 
fills the goal spot from Kilachandra. The full back line was Lurkin Lynch from Rammer, Ryan McGahern from Gowna, and Danny Cusick from Lavi. Half back line of Adam O'Connell from Rammer, Cormac Timoney from Balanyan, Mark McKeever from Gowna. In the middle of the field, it's Sean Gaffney from Kilachandra and Jason McMahon from Killing Care. Half forward line of Sean McAvoy from Rammer, Porrick. Faulkner from Kingscourt and Shane Hanley from Muncher Connacht and a full forward line of Thomas Edward Donoghue from Den, Shane Tierney from Lavi and Enda O'Reilly from Mullahorn. So well done to all. We will be picking our proactive risk control player of the week out of those 15 players so please get in contact on social media let us know who you think deserves the player of the week this week which will be a 50 euro voucher for that player and congratulations again to last week's winner Shani Johnson and week one winner James Brady so who's going to join those two lads as the proactive risk control player of the week for week three thanks very much for listening to the McAvoy's Super Value GA podcast don't forget to check out our diehard service on patreon.com forward slash we are calvin and keep an eye out for what we'll be covering this weekend because if it's all behind closed doors we are calvin is the only place that you'll get to hear the cully's craft bakery junior championship games and the hotel kilmer intermediate championship games live and free 